Welcome everyone to the Inspirational Businesswoman Show. Today I'll be speaking with my special guest, Tessa Auburn, and we'll be discussing Set Yourself Free to Express Your Passionate Purpose. everyone. I am so pleased you're joining us today for a very special interview, as I said, with Tessa Alburn. And we'll be getting started in just a moment. But first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. I'm Virginia Parsons, your host, and it is my passion to provide you, the entrepreneur with a goldmine of inspirational tips, strategies, and advice to help you grow your business from inspirational businesswomen in the know. And as I said, Tessa is going to give us some wonderful information today. And I, what I'm going to do is play the preview trailer for you. And while I'm doing that, would you do me a big favor and help spread the word? If you can think of someone who would benefit by this information while the trailer is running, you can go ahead and let them all know about it. And that would be terrific. And we'll be getting the interview started just after the preview. Here we go. That's right. But today, first, I want to let you know that the show is sponsored by Hangout-Marketing.com, where you can receive a complimentary live stream assessment. Now, why might you want to take this? Because if you want to increase your visibility across all the social platforms, you really want to know the ins and outs of live stream broadcasting. So all you need to do to take advantage of this free assessment is to text pound success to 775 8004179. The assessment will only take you a couple minutes and you might even qualify for a complimentary Shine broadcasting session with me. So go ahead and check that out. It will only take you a few moments. All right, so let me introduce you to Tessa because today we're introducing her on how to set yourself free to express your passionate purpose. Many entrepreneurs struggle to express their purpose genuinely, but today Tessa will share the number one thing that may be choking the lifeblood from your passion and your work. And she's going to explain how that may be preventing you from creating your most amazing and powerful work. 
Now, during today's interview, you're going to discover one, the evolution of shame, two, different saboteurs that keep you stuck, three, proven methods to set yourself free to live your passionate purpose. Now, Tessa is the founder of Realized Soul and has served women and men for over 20 years as a guide, an intuitive coach, healer, and curriculum designer. The focus of her practice is helping women unlock their dream by getting you deeply connected to your authentic soul and who you came here to be so that your inner fire lights up and you finally get your creative project fully expressed and into the world. Now, in addition, Tessa is a classically trained vocalist and flautist and often brings restorative power of sound into her retreats. She has lived in nine states, five countries, and has scuba dived, get this, in more than a thousand times in beautiful waters from around the world. So Tessa, welcome. My goodness, what a resume you've got there. Well, thank you, Virginia. Yes, I've had a very, very rich life. I just have so much gratitude for all the various chapters and adventures I've been able to live into and um, receive so much joy and and also just connection, right? Connection with my soul, with the soul of this earth. And, um, it, and it's also just given me this really beautiful way of connecting to so many different kinds of people through all those experiences. So thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to your audience. Well, and I want to welcome you back too. And it's not that often that I have uh, guests return, but you've got so much valuable information to share. And I think the timing is so important right now. You know, we're in kind of a unique transitional time on this earth plane and how it relates to the soul connection. I think it's just so very important that I'm just thrilled to have you return today. So a little bit of background our viewers always want to hear. You may want to switch it up a bit from uh, what you shared last time, maybe some different details, but basically let us know how you came to be focused on the soul connection and the, the name of your business, which is called Realize Soul. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, since I can't exactly remember what I shared before, I'm just going to trust that what comes forward today is going to be exactly what everyone needs to hear. Um, and, you know, because spirit is always moving through us anyway, and we're always like recreating ourselves. So I think what I'd like to share is I, I knew as a young girl that, or I felt like I didn't belong but I knew there was something more. I just was always driven to keep learning, especially around areas of information that were a little more mysterious. Of course, that's partly the Scorpio in me. I was always looking for the hidden threads, the hidden energy, you know, studying mythology at a very young age, hiding big giant mythology books in my locker at school so nobody would think I was a little bit off. And um, that journey, just continuing to learn, continuing to hear tales and the mythologies of tribes, of different um, like vision quests, as women came into empowerment, um, you know, as I got older, different topics would interest me, but it was always something similar, and it really helped me heal because I had a, I was carrying big sadness um, from my ancestral line, 
a lot of grief, a lot of loss, and um, and unfulfilled dreams as well. And I utilized that process of that learning of going really deep inside myself, um, and and going through the gauntlet. You know, it wasn't easy. Like I, I there were many many dark moments um, where I thought, is this it? You know, is this all there is? And so I developed a very unique way of communicating with what I call God at that time and um, continued to just start communicating with spirit, with source, until eventually it was, I realized how loving it was. It took me a while to get there. I had to remove actually what we're talking about here today, um, the things that are blocking you, the number one thing really that's blocking you from your passionate purpose um, that was huge for me. And so I'm going to be talking about several different types of ways that this happens. And I can tell you all of those happened to me, like, or, or those were part of my psychology. They were part of my growth, what I needed to overcome in order to be here and be in a place of service now to others. So they don't have to struggle so long. Well, you know, we often teach what we have lived don't we? And the lessons that we've learned. And so, you know, our, our topic today is not about setting yourself free. And it really does sound like that was the path you were on to setting your own life free. And as you said, stop choking the lifeblood from your passion. So obviously from a young age, that must have been part of the struggle that you went through and that you now want to share with people today. So I'm thrilled to have you here sharing your life experience because that's how we all grow. That's how we all evolve. It, you know, you've got to live through some of these things, don't you? You just can't you read about them in do. books, can you? <laughs> Correct. And you know, and I think there's like a new update to the that old adage about, you know, you teach what you need to learn. I think it's the opposite now. It's like you learn what you're going to teach. And I stand by that. And you, you're out there doing it and many of the fine other uh, female entrepreneurs, male entrepreneurs that are out there really sharing what's truthful, authentic for them, and it's helping so many people. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, really what we want for people and our viewers here today, I would love to hear from you. When you hear a gem from Tessa, would you please let us know in the comment chat area? That was a gem and something that you could take home and actually start to apply in your own life as far as expressing your own passionate purpose. So let's talk about some of the things that are getting in the way of people setting themselves free so that they can express that purpose. And the first one is around shame and the evolution yes. of shame, isn't it? Can you share what you mean about that? I'd be happy to. So I think there's a, a general understanding of what shame is. We've all experienced it. If you've been human on this planet for any amount of time, if you're listening to this, you have experienced it. And, uh, you know, I was taught that there were different versions of shame. But what I'm really talking about here today is the shame that feels like shame. It's the feeling that you're bad, that you're wrong, that there's something just totally so wrong with you that you need to be pushed aside, expelled, discarded. Um, and so where this comes from, I just want to give a little brief 
look into this is partly the way the brain works. So we all know for in the example of pain, pain in the body, pain is just a signal that there's something off. And so we go and we tend to it and we make it better so that whatever was having pain before hopefully is now gonna be thriving. But if we let it go, if we just let the pain go, then it gets worse and worse. Well, shame also evolved in a similar fashion, but it was really around the social influences. So shame, having shame come about meant that society or in specifically in tribal cultures where people were living in small communities and heavily relying on one another for their survival. You know, they relied on each other for food and for raising the children and for warmth even, you know, just like huddling together before there was a fire. Um, it was so important to have everyone on the same page that shame evolved as a psychological mechanism to assure that the tribe would be healthy. Because what it meant was if you were so bad, if you, if you wronged the community in some way, it was very uncomfortable to keep living with each other and all eyes were on you. And it meant also that the tribe could actually suffer. So for example, if somebody was told, let's say a, a, a tribe is living in the jungle and they all were, are like, don't go over there into that part of the jungle because there's some bad berries, etc. something like that. And then one day somebody sneaks out and they're like, ah, you know, they're not going to know. We really need some more food. I'm going to help out and I'm going to go get those berries. I had one or two and it was fine for me. They bring them back and then, you know, half the tribe is deceased as a result or seriously uh, ill. And so the tribe then, you know, they, they figure out what's happening. They shame the person so badly that the person can't really even stay there anymore. They become the scapegoat or they might even be exiled. And I think this is where the real um, sting of shame is, is because literally people were told to leave. If they did something so egregious that it threatened the well-being of the tribe, that they were told they must go. Well, what that meant back then, it's not like now, you can't, you couldn't just move to another state and you know, get an apartment or a home or live in your RV. You literally were out in the elements and you were at the will of nature. And it very often meant that these people simply ceased to exist, they died. They could not sustain themselves. It really took a community. And so that has been with us. It's been part of what we receive in our um, genetics. And it's come down through family lines. But now it's a little, it's, it's definitely a little displaced because we don't really need it. When we're conscious, we can say, oh, that's a, that's a bad thing to do, but it doesn't mean we're gonna abandon you forever. Doesn't mean you're out on the street, but that reaction is still there for us. We haven't been able to completely disconnect uh, just naturally. So we have to think through it. We have to have a process in order to be able to disconnect from that shame. Uh, the shame monster, the saboteur is what I call it. Um, and they take on sort of different flavors, different personalities. 
So, so what you are saying is that actually shame is in our DNA. It is. Absolutely. It's in our DNA. And <clears throat> the fear around shame and which could cause us to really be choking our own passion off is is innately a fear of death. I mean, if you go deep enough. Yes. Whereas, and, and I can see how this could also be reflected in families that disown people or religions, modern day religions that, you know, throw people out for whatever reasons there are. But what you're getting at is that what happened to our ancestors has come forward through the cultures and inherently through our DNA so that it's always getting in the way until you wake up. Is, am I on to something there? <laughs> you are totally on track there. That's absolutely what's happening. And, you know, so some of it will happen in a current family of origin. You'll, you can be shamed there. Many of us have those memories with us. But there's also that ancestral shame that comes with, you know, ownership of property or success or whatever it is. The family is really wrapped up in needing to appear a certain way. It's not that they're just egotistical. They literally could be carrying centuries of shame messages around uh, what their status needs to be. And until we wake up, we carry it too. And it definitely blocks um, creativity. It blocks the ability to express. And it certainly blocks our ability to actually be on purpose and in alignment with our soul. So did you discover this in your own background? Is this an, a major thing that you had to overcome? Absolutely. You know, that my whole childhood journey into young womanhood, into a young adulthood. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, every few chunks of years, there would be like a new shame piece that I was trying to overcome, like shame around my body when I was really young. A uh, lot of shame, a lot of emphasis on the shape and the the um, looks, right, of young girls, and certain. And I was no exception. And um, somehow my sister was tall. I was not. You know, I had the freckles. I looked like a boy for some time. Um, people were freaking out if I was a few pounds overweight when I was in fourth grade. And and then the shame, for example, of my mother was put onto me. Uh, so much so that she had my sister and I at a doctor's office on radical medications uh, when we were, when I was 10 and a half, oh, yes, 10 and a half, and my sister was seven. I mean, it was significant and it altered our, our hormones for years to come. That's something that I still work with. Um, but so, so many, many ways the shame has shown up and it kept me from being able to express my voice. You know, I'm a musician, you mentioned that. It was so hard for me to be in front of people, uh, much less like making a video like we are here today, um, you know, a broadcast. Uh, it was so intense. The feelings that I would get when eyes were on me um, that I just wanted to collapse. And sometimes I did, sometimes I just collapsed inwardly or just would fall apart emotionally because I didn't have what I needed, didn't have the support and the voices were just going off in my head. You know, we, you might think of it like um, inner critic, only it's just more intense. 
Yeah, and that just reminds me, and it, and it puts a whole new spin, so to speak, on the on the phrase "shame on you," because oh, now yeah. I'm starting to understand what you're saying about that. This reflects when you even hear that term, it reflects so much deeper than you might think of consciously. There's a whole subconscious aspect to that phrase that can really trigger things. Uh, let, let's move that whole concept into the yes. saboteur that you were talking about. The, the, being sabotaged from, from being able to express your passion. And it sounds like there are a lot of them. Is that right? Yes. Well, I there are a lot of sab ways you can be sabotaged around this. Um, I've identified five primary, we'll give, call them types or personalities. And um, I'll, I'll, I can give you a little bit of a brief definition of them if that, you think that would be helpful for your listeners. Yeah, um, I think so, because we've all heard the term saboteur, but to get specific on how that relates to yes. each of us as individuals, I think that would be helpful. Go ahead. Okay, great. So the way that I'm uh, presenting them here is how they're showing up now. Right, so I'm not going back into your childhood or anything. We're looking at the lens of this is how these saboteurs could be showing up now in your life. The first one I'd like you to know about is the attendant. And the attendant is definitely one of my favorites because she looks amazing. She's caretaking, she's giving, she's always putting people first. And the problem is she's not just giving, she's over giving. She really has no idea how to healthfully set a boundary, how to healthfully say no. She feels if she can't be giving, she doesn't have a purpose. So we see that a lot, you know, in caretaking positions and in employment, um, but it, it can be part of our saboteur makeup. Now I've had all of these at one time or another what I would say now is most people have like a combination of two that are predominant and then they might dip their toe into another one. So I'll keep going here. The second saboteur I'd like you to know about today is the hyper empath. Now we've, we've heard this phrase, hypersensitive, uh, highly sensitive person, HSPs, but this is slightly different. So this is really someone who knows already that they're an empath. Path. They, they utilize this, they count on it to be able to be safe in the world. Uh, they might have turned it into a profession and become a healer because they're able to feel into people's energy, you know, that's out here. But the problem is they're not knowing what's going on in here. They can get so mixed up, so convoluted, so muddy that their own feelings are just like hidden in this roller coaster of energy. So they're constantly having to protect themselves, watch out for what's going on. They could be in a state of hyper alertness all the time. It takes a lot of energy if you're a hyper empath and you don't know how to manage that and to unplug from the saboteur. The third saboteur is the silent sufferer. Now, I would say this one, there's fewer people, if, if we're gonna take a demographic, fewer that have this, but almost everybody touches into it at one point or another. I had a big time. The way that it um, showed up for me was having physical pain first, 
I had actual physical pain. And the physical pain that I was having, I wasn't able to understand. No one could give me a diagnosis that meant anything. I spent many, many dollars on trying to figure that out, many years. And at a certain point, the pain, it went from pain into then emotional pain. So then I'd have the physical pain and then I'd have all the shame of the emotions of what's wrong with me. There's now something wrong with me because nobody can figure this out. And it was a constant battle, uh, feeling like I had to defend myself around my body and the pain and taking care of my needs. And I could identify some of my needs, but it was a lot for other people to um, comprehend and be compassionate around. And you don't have to have physical pain to be a silent sufferer. You can also be on the emotional scale. So you maybe don't know how to get your emotional needs met. And so you keep it to yourself, right? You just keep it to yourself. So the way that it really looks is the silent sufferer is suffering a lot and not able to speak up for the needs that she has. She's, she doesn't know who to turn to, how to ask for what she needs in a healthy way that isn't codependent in those relationships. And so it just gets bigger and bigger inside her until there's some kind of breakdown somewhere. And you can see it in maybe daily breakdowns or like being in your car wanting to scream, you know, a little too often. Like I'm, I'm all for healthy release, but when there's that habit of the buildup of whether it's physical pain or emotional, this, this is probably linked to the silent sufferer that you have no rights, that you shouldn't be asking, be quiet, sit there, you're weird, you're wrong, what, you know, the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to jump in and say these are so important. And I, I really, all of you watching, whether or not live or during replay, are you identifying with some of these? We've got three so far, the attendant, the hyper empath, and the silent sufferer. Which ones are you identifying with? I would love to hear that. But go ahead because you've got two more. Excellent. All right. The next one is the pretender. Now, this is usually a very smart woman and she's doing a lot for everybody. She probably has a little bit of attendant in there. She probably also has a little bit of silent sufferer. But the, the main thing is she's really trying to fit into either a family system, a work system, or a cultural system by changing how she speaks, by not speaking up, by uh, proving herself. So there's this element of needing to prove herself quite strongly. That's, that's where it'll really um, pop out. So she's almost unable to even know what she needs because she's so wrapped up in her to-do list. Got to get this done, this done, this done, this done, this done, this done, this done. This has to happen. She so believes it. She believes she cannot let go for a moment. She believes she cannot stop and breathe. And um, the truth is she can, but she doesn't know that yet. So when the saboteur has a grip on her, that's what she's running. The fifth and final saboteur is the distractionist. Now we see a lot, a fair amount of this in our culture today, especially with social media being what it is. Um, the distractionist wants to 
do something really good in the world. She has some big dream that's kind of just sitting there inside of her, but she cannot, when she's under the spell of the saboteur, she just cannot beat it. She is much more likely to just go to something easy. So whether that's streaming something, whether that's Facebooking, whatever the app of the day is, uh, creating laughter, she distracts with laughter rather than actually processing what's going on. And she also isn't getting everything she needs for her emotional, mental, physical support or spiritual. And she, she likes to distract from the spiritual support pretty frequently. She may have lost touch even with what her beliefs are. So those are the primary uh, saboteurs. And I have a question around that. Um, yes, please. So would someone who's a distractionist, so to speak, would they be much more inclined to uh, have problems with um, alcoholism or drugs or, you know, some of those That's kind of dependencies? Question. Yes. Yes, I would say that that one can be an addictive nature. Right, which is why we see so many of, I see so many of the distractionists going to social media or buying online course after online course after online course, but not really doing the program, that sort of thing, or going to anything that is going to numb, distract them from what's really troubling them, distract them from the feelings, distract them from the thoughts. So yes, absolutely. It can be that, it could be a sexual addiction. It's addiction of any kind for sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It sounded like distractionist had a lot to do with or parallel to addictive personality types. Yes, but that's not to say that all all of them are alcoholics. That's not necessarily true. There, there can be bouts like um, some of the distractionists I've worked with, like one of them would drink party and the rest of the week it was just like really down and she would distract herself with something more convenient, you know, streaming this, that or the other. Got it. Okay. Well, this is great information. Uh, so all of you, I hope you've taken a couple notes and maybe noticed where you fit into the saboteur type. Uh, she's just gone over five. The attendant, someone who tends to overgive and has no boundaries. Someone who's hyper empathic. Uh, someone who's a silent sufferer. I can see how shame can be related to that one. Definitely because you're not getting the answers you're looking for. The pretender. And then finally, the distractionist. So Great, great information here. Well, if you figured out what you might be, I'm thinking of a couple that I've got that have been playing with me my whole life. <laughs> okay, Tessa, I know you've got some solutions for us. I know you've got some tools and methods that are proven to help us set ourselves free from this, these kind of shameful saboteurs. So do you want to start sharing that with us? I'd be happy to. Um... You know, when I think about some of the women, the clients that I've worked with and the saboteurs that they've overcome, several pop out um, as just beautiful examples of having done the work and gotten to the other side. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about a gal I call JC, and she was a hyper empath, and she had, because of the... Um, propensity for feeling into energy when she was in her first marriage which was not very healthy 
um, her ex took advantage of that and used all that energetic um, material to basically mentally abuse her. And then of course it became emotional abuse. So it wasn't overt, it was very covert, um, but the messaging all the time was what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. You don't deserve to, et cetera, et cetera. So that was what where she had come from, but she couldn't get out of that on her own. She, she started to do a saboteur um, process to unlink from that. And the piece, the key piece that was profound for her um, in the process was a rewriting process where literally there was a specific memory. So there were, of course, many memories, but there was a, a specific one that we worked with where she was able to rewrite that experience. Now, it's, it's not like just sitting down and, you know, writing a few words. It's an actual deep process um, with interruptive uh, tactics and then a re-envisioning of it. Like, call it a rewriting. So she was able to rewrite that. And it's it just, she just suddenly like lit up from that. And she had done a lot of other work on, you know, restricting beliefs and things like that, but she was ready for it. And she now, um, she hardly gives her ex a, a second thought. She's launched her own business where she's inspiring other women. Uh, she, you know, this, she's just like this creative energy bubble. She's just constantly going. She's manifesting abundance like crazy. And she is living her truest passion project. So it's, and she's having a lot of fun too. And she's got kids. So this was, you know, this was really important that she felt like she could truly be herself because she knew she was role modeling the old saboteur behaviors to her daughters. So she's overcome that and just so proud of her. So, Wow, that is so important what you just said. It's not just about you changing your history a little bit, rewriting it, re-envisioning it, but what happens, not only are you setting yourself free, you're setting perhaps your next generation and they're on free. So that's really exciting. It is, yes. And it, when, I think when most women and they're thinking about their children, they, they have thoughts. Of course, you all, everybody wants to be a great parent, but they don't always know what to do. And when you have that breakthrough, when you're able to set yourself free and your kids are like, wow, mom, it's just amazing. And it's, it's life altering for everybody and the family line as well. There's healing that goes back up through the ancestral line. So I'd like to also share with you uh, one of my pretender clients and a little bit of her journey, if, if we have time for that. Yes, please do, because I'd like people to be able to relate to more than one solution. So go ahead. Absolutely. So this client, McKenna, she had a very strong pretender saboteur, and it made a lot of sense. She came from a different country. Um, I'm going to give her a little bit of privacy here. So I'll just say she was an Asian um, living in Asia, and there was strong, strong uh, work and, um, you know, corporate, but also fam familial uh, patterns 
around really having to be a specific way, very, very rigid and who you got to be and how you did it and who you married and where you went to work and what time you worked from. It's just very, very rigid. And she was a high creative, very entrepreneurial. What she needed to do was find the strength in order to be able to do a, re a deep release process, a cathartic release process. And when she did the cathartic release process, she felt it. She felt it in her body. She felt, she was like, ah, now I don't just know, you know, my values and part of my authentic self. It like started to come together. She had to really feel it in her body through that catharsis. And she was able to individuate from her family's programmed roles that they were kept putting on her. And they haven't changed still, but she's able to, to be herself now. And she is now focused on her soul mission, and she's bringing hope to young women around the world. So I'm super excited about her. All right. So two different processes, or maybe they intertwine as you work with clients. But uh, in the first case, we're talking about a rewriting and a re-envisioning. And here you're saying that what she had to go through was really cathartic. She had to actually experience this on a physical level, and it takes a little bit of what did you call extra strength, newfound strength, in order to go through this process. So I'm assuming this is something that you guide people through as you feel it's appropriate for them. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Um, that kind of a process is not something that most people can just suddenly start jumping right into. It can be scary to some of the younger parts of ourselves, to the little ones in us. Um, it takes a, a pretty thorough understanding um, before you can get there. And then it's great to have someone lead you through it so you're not alone. Yeah, so these are some things that you're sharing around client work that you have done that are processes that are going to be dependent on the client's needs, their predispositions, um, the saboteurs that seem to be operating. Uh, do you have any tip at all you can share with people that they could do safely and at least make some breakthroughs on their own? Absolutely. So, you know, you can start to do some cathartic release on a small scale simply by sensing into your body. So if you feel you've identified a pattern, so the specificity really helps. So first you want to identify what is the pattern? What is it that I want to release out of my field? And then you want to sense into where it is in your body, your energy body. It could be like a little bit out here. It might feel like it's outside a little bit in your aura, but often you can actually sense it in your body because you get an ick, you get a, uh, you get something happening that you don't like. That's probably where the pattern has kind of lodged into the cellular memory. And so you, you can just literally call in, I would call in your high self for support or your spirit guide, and you can take it where it is with your hands and you can energetically pull it out of you, throw it on the floor or throw it up into the light and let the light transmute it. And once you have it out of you, so you really wanna get it so it feels out. Right, so this is this one pattern. And then you want to fill up. It's really critical to do this piece. This is part of the um, replacing piece. So you want to replace what you took out with something 
source driven or purely authentic to you. So you could fill up that space with, I call it an I am, right? A value, something you really, really care about, like peace, world peace. You could fill it up with world peace or love or compassion. Or if you want to just like be open to the magic of the universe, you could envision a rainbow coming in, rainbow light or pure source energy. But you want to make sure you do that so you're not creating a vacuum in your energy body because that vacuum can attract other stuff you don't want. So that would be the process. Identify the pattern, pull it out, physically feel it come out, like maybe even get a little emotional, like I'm getting you out of me once and for all, and then fill up with divine energy. Beautiful. So it's a it's your own extraction process. You identify where it's located in your body or within your clothes or you there's a feeling, a nudge that takes you to that spot and you say that I don't want that hanging out in me anymore. And you physically with your hands make that that gesture of pulling it out and releasing it to the light. Yeah. But don't stop there make sure you fill it fill it with something that you identify with whether it's love peace i am light as you said a rainbow this is a great technique and it's simple even though you might have to repeat this right it's not something that necessarily is you do it once and it's done is that correct uh yes and so depending on the pattern and how many different ways you got it how you learned it or you know it was programmed into you that will determine um, the extent of which you may want to keep release it. So if it's something that's showing up in your relationship, whether there's a certain kind of trigger, if you're noticing you're still getting triggered around that pattern, then just do do this process again. Um, that's probably the you know the proof is in the pudding, right? Um, but just remember, we all have been programmed usually in a number of ways. But sometimes a pattern is ready to go if you've already done some work on it and you might just have been missing one of these elements, this is a great way to like just take yourself over the edge and uh, get into beautiful levels of joy and bliss. And just, so when you, when you fill up, I will say this, so when you fill up, it's gonna feel good. And if it's not feeling good, then you're not filling up with divine energy. So feel good and then go on with your life and see how far it takes you. Oh, I just love this. And this is, this is like a process to set yourself free so that yeah, you can totally express your true passion. And that's what this interview has been all about. And you've just given us some great information, Tessa, and some great strategies and proven methods to do that. Set yourself free. Now, you have a wonderful gift that can also help people identify some more things. So I'm going to bring that up give them the link to it, and then I'd like you to tell them a little bit about it. Uh, Tessa's gift is, it can be found at hmtips.com forward slash Tessa gift, hmtips.com forward slash Tessa gift. Tessa, go ahead and tell us about this. I'd be happy to. So this is a soul connection assessment. The design of it is to help you identify different areas where you're connecting into your true soul, your true self, and where you could use a little bit of support. And some of the areas that are covered in it are like intuition, empathy, 
because um, in this case, connect, having some empathy is a good thing. You, we all want to have some empathy, not like in the case of the hyper empath, but true empathy is a wonderful attribute and a gift. Uh, creativity, so there's a section on creativity, there's a section on balance, and um, oh, I know there's another one that's just right out of my mind right now, um, pops right out, but maybe it'll come back in a moment. But it's gonna, it's got, so it's got several different categories where you can see where you might wanna start focusing some energy on, oh, purpose, there it is. So your purpose, right? If you're feeling like, yeah, I, I have a lot of this is working for me, but I'm still not quite there with my purpose. If you take the assessment, then you might find out what it is you would that would help you to get in touch with your purpose. So I encourage you to take this if you're if you're wanting to get any kind of clarity around your soul purpose, how you might listen to your soul more, trusting your intuition more, um, or your creativity and your expression of it in the world. Wonderful. Once again, it can be received at hmtips.com forward slash Tessa gift. And Tessa, what what can they um, expect after the assessment? Oh, thank you for that. Yes, they're going to get, so you'll take it. They'll, they'll certainly, you'll probably have some ahas while you're taking it, but you're also going to get a full report. So the report is going to show you exactly some very specific steps you can take, some specific methods you can start incorporating practices into your life that are gonna support you in these areas. Sounds wonderful. So Tessa, I so appreciate your being here with us once again to provide really such powerful and important information at a time when we are all kind of seeking this opportunity to grow, evolve, elevate our awareness, mm -hmm. um, our vibration, etc. So you've just really provided some wonderful tips, but I'm going to give you one last opportunity. Is there one last little thing, thought that you would like to share with people before we say goodbye? I would like to say that your soul matters and you are here for a purpose. So do the work. So you can express your passionate purpose out to the world and just and enjoy the bliss of that, the joy of that, and the love of that as you engage with others here at this time. Fabulous. Enjoy the bliss of that, making your true soul <laughs> connection. Such wonderful final words, Tessa. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for joining us today. I'd love to hear more about what is the gem that you loved the most from what you heard from Tessa? I'd say it's the process she just gave us. I think that's a just a powerful gem I plan to use when I feel things off a little bit inside me. Pay attention to what's going on in your body. It's giving you signals yeah. and you need to pay attention to them. Don't, don't go into distraction mode. All exactly. right. So thank you so much again. And to all of you, thank you. We will talk to you very soon on the next Inspirational Businesswoman Show. And until then, feel your bliss. Go out there and make it a great week, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for watching today. Do you know someone who would be a great guest for our show? Or would you like to be a guest on the Inspirational Businesswoman Show? Let's shine the spotlight on your expertise. 
We'll share your story while offering tips, strategies, and advice to our viewers. Expert interviews are a great way to build your reputation as the go-to expert. Go to shinetips.com forward slash IBWS to apply today. Women are waiting for your message and I can't wait to interview you.